Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. On May 4th, in Domus Galileus, a Roman Catholic um, conference center situated on the Mount of Beatitudes, a gathering of rabbis from throughout the world cardinals of the Roman Catholic Church, bishops from the Roman Catholic Church, priests from the Roman Catholic Church, and lay people gathered in a historic setting. There, they search for ways for representatives of the Jewish people and the Catholic Church to bring to fulfillment the spirit of Vatican II, which was formalized uh, over 50 years ago. My show this morning will be about that meeting known as a convivience. I want to begin with a uh, reading from one of the documents which emerged uh, from that gathering, and then introduce my guest to you, Rabbi Eric J. Greenberg. I'm quoting from a document signed by a uh, collection of Orthodox rabbis uh, representing countries as diverse as Serbia, Germany, the United States, Croatia, Switzerland, France, um, Finland, and Israel. Let me quote for you what they wrote. After nearly two millennia of mutual hostility and alienation, we Orthodox rabbis who lead communities, institutions, and seminaries in Israel, the United States, and Europe recognize the historic opportunity now before us. We seek to do the will of our Father in heaven by accepting the hand offered to us by our Christian brothers and sisters. Jews and Christians must work together as partners to address the moral challenges of our era. That is the introductory paragraph. It sets the tone for our gathering. Paragraph one, the Shoah ended 70 years ago. It was the warped climax to centuries of disrespect and oppression and rejection of Jews and the consequent enmity that developed between Jews and Christians. In retrospect, it is clear that the failure to break through this contempt and engage in constructive dialogue for the good of humankind weakened resistance to evil forces of anti-Semitism that engulfed the world in murder and in genocide of the Jewish people. Paragraph 2. We recognize that since the Second Vatican Council, the official teachings of the Catholic Church about Judaism have changed fundamentally and irrevocably. The promulgation of Nostra Aetate 50 years ago started the process of reconciliation between our two communities. 
Nostra Atate and the later official church documents it inspired unequivocally rejects any form of anti-Semitism, affirms the eternal covenant between God and the Jewish people, rejects deicide, and and stresses the unique relationship between Christians and Jews who were called our elder brothers by Pope John Paul II and our brothers in faith by Pope Benedict XVI. On this basis, Catholic and other Christian officials started an honest dialogue with Jews that has grown during the last five decades. We, the rabbis, gathered at this sacred place, affirm and appreciate the Church's affirmation of Israel's unique place in sacred history and ultimate world redemption. Today, Jews have experienced sincere love and respect from many Christians that have been expressed in many dialogue initiatives, meetings, and conferences around the world. Those two paragraphs in the introduction to the document serve as the fundamental petri dish upon which the rabbis and members of the Catholic Church gathered to share their thoughts about the world that we live in, how to make the world a better place, and how to undo millennia, nearly two millennia, of hostility and alienation. Stop. Let's call Rabbi Greenberg. My guest this morning is Rabbi Eric J. Greenberg an international leader in multi-faith relations and an international award-winning journalist. Rabbi Greenberg has served as Director of Interfaith Outreach, Communications, and Programs for the Multi-Faith Alliance for Syrian Refugees, the largest coalition of faith organizations to address the worst global humanitarian crisis since World War II. He composed the official Jewish contribution to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops' catechetical study marking the 50th anniversary of Nostra Aetate and was a featured presenter at last year's Parliament of the World's Religions Global Conference in Salt Lake City, Utah. This global conference will actually be held in Toronto, Canada next year. Previously, Rabbi Greenberg served as National Director of Outreach and Interfaith Affairs for the Anti-Defamation League, where he co-edited in 2011 the document entitled The Saint for Shalom, How Pope John Paul II Transformed Catholic-Jewish Relations. This document has been endorsed by Pope Benedict the. 16th. He served as a religion consultant on major motion pictures, including Jerusalem, the IMAX production, and the Bible, and conceived outside the Bible, a historic three-volume commentary on ancient Jewish writings published by the Jewish Publication Society. I can continue with his biography, but I want to welcome him to Jewish faith and Jewish facts and let us um, proceed with a dialogue about the convivience that we both attended in May um, in on the Mount of Beatitudes. Good morning, Rabbi Greenberg. Good morning. How Rabbi are you? David. 
It's a pleasure to be with you today. Yes. Uh, off the air, we were talking about um, there's no news to really be discussing, so should we l- look back in time to May when it was <laughs> pe- peaceful and calm? Yes, um, yes. There's nothing going on in the world. Yeah. That's right. And where we were um, at least had the possibility of uh, turning off our phones and not being inundated with news and Twitters. That was quite a, quite a relaxing time, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't remember whether you attended the first convivience, um, but if so, that meant that you had had two opportunities to see this unique gathering of um, Catholics and Jews. And I'm wondering if we should begin with your sense of whether the goals of either of those conviviences were met? It's a great question, Steve. Um, so I did not attend the first, uh, the first gathering, but I was familiar with the group, um, and, I, and, and to, uh, I always call them either the Neocats, uh, so I don't <laughs> uh, mispronounce the complete name, uh, the Neocatechetical uh, Way, uh, but we'll call them the Neocats for short, or the way. Right. Um, they had come, I, I was familiar with them back in 2013. They had come, I was the uh, interfaith director at the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League. And they came to, uh, they asked to meet with me um, because they were putting on a conference, a, uh, I'm sorry, not a conference, but a concert um, at uh, the famous Lincoln Center in New York City. And uh, basically about uh, uh, Jews, and that's where they uh, uh, unveil their famous Shema, which right. we both heard. They do. Uh, there's a production by the founder of uh, the Neocats, um, and they wanted our um, hefsher, our um, uh, approval, imprint approval. Yeah, for for this uh, for this gathering. I had never heard of them before, but I was, you know, uh, very happy to meet with them and hear what they had to say. Um, so as you call them, the Neocats are a uh, kind of charismatic Catholic group that exists parallel to the normative Catholic Church and finds itself um, as uh, in the, what we would call in the Jewish world a chavurah within the parishes, a small group meeting for uh, more personal, intimate, spiritual uh, approaches. Yes? Yeah, and in fact, um, it's even more than, than just uh, uh, a small group. They are uh, uh, an official order uh, uh-huh. recognized by the Vatican. Both uh, Pope John Paul II and Pope Francis have uh, um, approved their, um, you know, their uh, society, so to speak. Um, so I, I, I have compared them to sort of the Lubavitch of the Catholic world. Uh-huh. And so they far, have a charismatic list... leader, their own leader. They um, uh, they go out and send out um, missionaries uh, around the world and trying to spread their message. So uh, uh, I and was they, pleased to message... see that our colleague Rabbi Rosen right. in Israel also had referred to them as the Chabad of of the Catholic world. So I, I guess that's a good working um, model, right? For our listeners, Chabad. 
um, which is one of the uh, movements within the Lubavitch approach, within the Hasidic approach to Judaism, is probably best known to you as those Jews you see wearing uh, dark clothes with a white shirt and some sort of um, um, black hat. Uh, sometimes they're known as the black hats, but on um, TV they seem to be the more common, uh, commonly portrayed Jews in Israel and throughout the world, um, and they are an outreach group just as um, the Neocats, we'll put that in quote, are an outreach group, primarily um, as the Neocats are to, to uh, already baptized Catholics. Um, this is not an outreach group to um, Jews, per se, or to others in the Christian world, and Chabad, uh, Lubavitch, is an outreach group to Jews to intensify their Jewish experience. So, Eric, this is the first one that you attended personally. You knew of the group. You had heard their um, piece of music at uh, Lincoln Center. Um, what do you think their goals are in terms of um, Jewish-Catholic relations? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think we, we uh, you and I spent, uh, I guess, about four days um, uh, outside of Tiberias at their compound, uh, the uh, Domus. Um, well, let's let's start uh, with the, with the with the uh, the good news, <laughs> so to speak. Um, this group uh, probably uh, spent, I would think, uh, perhaps as much as two million dollars uh, bringing rabbis from around the world uh, of all denominations to their home, to their headquarters, uh, to meet and uh, uh, talk and dialogue and eat. Um, uh, I had not seen that before in my all my years in interfaith uh, work. Uh, rabbis from all denominations, the most from the most uh, uh, fervent uh, religious, um, uh, you know, uh, Orthodox, ultra Orthodox, to uh, Reform Jews, to conservative Jews, the more uh, uh, liberal or progressive, if you might uh, use that term, uh, all together at a conference with Catholics. It, that's just uh, it's amazing. It was an amazing thing to see. Um, so that's that's a, a positive, I think. Um, getting to what they exactly are looking for, we broke up into groups. We talked. It's it's a little murky to me. They do want to. Uh, they they uh, their leader Kiko, uh, their founder, um, uh, has great respect and loves the Jewish people. Uh, they are taught to uh, love the Jewish people. In fact, as, as uh, previously noted, they, uh, he composed a, uh, an opera, um, which, uh, uh, you know, at the end culminates in, in, in Catholics getting up and singing the Shema Yisrael, the, perhaps the most important prayer in, in uh, Jewish liturgy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is One. Um, so those are all, you know, very, very nice things. But when you get down to the details, it's, it wasn't really clear, and I don't like your opinion as well, um, what they are looking for us to do. Um, it was not a um, meticulously uh, planned conference. Um, there were no 
uh, schedules in terms of who's speaking and what's uh, what the topics are. Um, as as the founder Kiko had said every day, um, not sure why we're here. The Lord, the Spirit, you know, the Lord will move us to find out why we were brought together. Um, I think that's a really important part. Their founder, a very charismatic um, Spaniard, I think. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, yep. Who um, has devoted Spanish his, artist, right? A Spanish artist, but not, but not a, uh, but not a, um, a not, not clergy. He's not, he's Correct. not a priest. That's right. Yep. He's not an ordained priest. He's a lay person, um, and spoke eloquently of his personal finding of the spirit, um, and felt that bringing Jews and Catholics together would be a place where the Holy Spirit could rest, um, and would, in some manner or form. Um, infuse the gathering to find its own direction. Interestingly enough, um, the only formal um, presentations were member- made by members of the Jewish community. Uh, right. Rabbi uh, Yitzchak Greenberg, an Orthodox rabbi who has uh, been very involved in interfaith work and interdenominational, inter-Jewish denominational work for his whole career, gave um, a, a fascinating paper on the theological similarities between Catholicism and Judaism. And Rabbi Shlomo Riskind, who originally is from the United States and now lives in Efrat, a um, a community in the West Bank of Israel and as a noted liberal within the Orthodox community also spoke in a more theological manner about the intersection between uh, repairing the world from a Catholic and Jewish perspective. Um, but we didn't have an opportunity to speak about either of those presentations. Um, and there was nobody other than Kiko himself who really spoke to us from the Catholic tradition. Um, so you're right in suggesting it's murky as to what the goals of the uh, gathering were. Do you think that people left in the main thinking that this had been a valuable coming together? I mean, $2 million is a lot of money to expend for four days overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Well, which was which was beautiful, by the way. <laughs> uh, as you said, it was peaceful. Um, I think there there was not uh, for those who who didn't have computer access, it was a, a way to unplug from the world for several days. Uh, so I think that was a, uh, a uh, unintended, you know, positive as well. Um, Leaving, I think you know we, we've both been uh, done programs over the years, and and uh, you know built uh, um, uh, worked for organizations where you try to engage people. I think uh, a major uh, part that I have not seen yet is follow up. You know, you can have the greatest uh, conference in the world, uh, but if there's you know no follow up to it, if there's no uh, action plan as to what to do next. It just becomes, uh, you know, well, this was nice for a few days, and, you know, we, we all move on with our lives because there's right. just so much going on. Um, I have yet to see, uh, well, uh, so on, to answer your question on, on two levels, one is I'm not sure what we left with. Uh, besides, by the way, making, I should say very importantly, some, some very nice 
new relationships and, and uh, meeting some people. I met the Archbishop of Ethiopia, who was just a wonderful, a wonderful guy. Um, and, you know, we, we sat and talked and, and exchanged some information and, and about ourselves and about our cultures. So that's, you know, that's a real positive that is not necessarily quantified. Um, but in terms of follow-up, uh, I have not seen any, and I think that that's uh, what will you know what will answer sure. your question as to what the value. In your experience as a um, and as a rabbi who's worked in the interfaith um, world for so long, do you think there's value simply in? Um, Jews and Catholics coming together for four days, even if there's no obvious um, programmatic design or no obvious follow-through, does it make um, an impact on the world as rabbis return to their home communities and as priests and cardinals and even lay people return to their home communities for us just to have been together? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mean to say that there's there's no value if there's no no follow up. But uh, no, I agree a hundred percent. Just to be able to sit and meet and talk, uh, there's there's tremendous value in in seeing the other um, right. as a human being, as reflecting you know the, the the dignity of God, and that's absolutely valuable. Uh, because, what I what yeah, I mean ahead. is. Yeah. Oh. Oh. For sure. No. No. I, I, I. What I was going to suggest, and perhaps you can respond to it, is um, in this crazy world that we live in, people of faith are often uh, placed in very um, deep silos, and so uh, Christian people of faith are placed in one silo, Muslim people of faith are placed in another silo, Jewish people of faith are placed in a third silo. I'm only referring to the uh, Abrahamic traditions. Um, and I'm wondering if just being there allows us to um, chat with members of a tradition that we may not usually or normatively chat with um, in our daily lives um, and perhaps give some sort of um, uh, thrust to um, those rabbis and priests and lay people to set up a similar kind of uh, situation in their home communities. For sure, yeah, absolutely. The, again, the, the idea that, that you can meet, uh, it, it opens that door, even on its, as, as you're suggesting, which I agree with 100%, just the, just the act uh, I guess it's a, like the quantum physics uh, example. Just the act of of being there uh, and of interacting changes right. changes the dynamic, changes the world, a hundred percent. So what, what I was suggesting before, though, is is that if for something this big, this large, um, it it seems to me that there is great value in the follow up, and and so you know we'll wait to see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the difference. If um, you invite a member of the Catholic clergy to your home for dinner and um, you have a number of uh, members of your community with you and we have uh, a pleasant dinner together, we do create put a human face to the other. But when you bring 200 or 300 people plus um, 70 musicians and 80 voices from throughout <laughs> the world to offer uh, Kiko's... Um, what shall we call it? Opera, 
Opera, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what he calls it. I've forgotten its name, but um, um, we can find that on the internet. Um, but nonetheless, you would expect that there would have been an intentionality that had been expressed and that could then be measured. Uh, but um, we will both, um, as veterans of interfaith, at least take away from this wonderful experience, um, whether it was meeting with the Cardinal of Milan or the Cardinal of Ethiopia, who I think was one of the few members of the Christian clergy outside of North America who actually spoke English um, and made it possible for conversations. Um, I don't know about your Italian, but mine is not as uh, helpful as I'd like in these situations. Well, uh, yours is better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to switch gears for just a moment. Um, one of the reasons that I invited you of all the participants in um, the conference to come and chat about the conference is you have um, an interesting Canadian connection. Um, and so I thought we could end our show this morning with you chatting about your uh, songwriting um, with your our Canadian legend, uh, Gordon Lightfoot. And perhaps you can uh, chat with us a bit about that. Sure, yes. Uh, so um, as a kid, uh, I uh, turned on the uh, alternative, well, I guess they used to call it uh, alternative uh, radio station, um, and they would be playing this incredible music from a guy named Gordon Lightfoot. And I just fell in love with his voice and his music and his songs. Um, I went up to school in Buffalo, and uh, one of the first things I did in the back of my mind, I said, oh, well, Toronto's right near Buffalo. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interview Gordon Lightfoot someday. Uh, well, uh, I started my career as a journalist. So, uh, at my co working for my college paper, I started um, calling <laughs> the uh, early morning productions in uh, in Toronto and trying to get an interview as this sort of brass, uh, brash, brash uh, young uh, college student. Um, and his uh, manager at the time was was his sister uh, Beverly Lightfoot, and she was just she was wonderful. Um, she uh, she took my calls. She, this is at a time when Gordon Lightfoot had the number one album in, the, in, in Canada and the United States and, and was uh, one of the most popular singer-songwriters in the world. Um, and said, well, you know, Eric, not right now. <laughs> he's, he's very busy. He can't really, you know, give an interview. But I persisted, and uh, several years later, I wound up, um, uh, she, she connected me with Gordon. Um, we uh, became friends. He came to play at Client Hands Music Hall in, in, uh, in Buffalo. Um, and uh, ever since then, and this is going back several decades uh, in my newspaper career. I would write about him and pr promote his, you know, his his work. And wherever wherever I was and wherever he was touring, we would uh, we would meet. Uh, he then invited me to his home several times. I was at Massey Hall for some of his legendary concerts there. He's been playing there for you know years and years. Um, and so uh, I'm a songwriter as well. And I had uh, suggested to him a couple of times that uh, there's there's uh, some songs of his that I thought uh, could you you know uh, could um, be re uh, what's the right word uh, reinvented um, or that there are a couple of songs of mine that he might be interested in and one he actually liked and this was uh, a song now that's called Up in Buffalo which is uh, available. Uh, 
Um, Make the plug. Yes, yes, yes. Make the plug. SoundCloud is the little plug there. Right. Um, And uh, the... uh, the end of this story basically is I, um, I asked him for permission to, to, uh, to take an old piece of his and rework it and add some uh, lyrics and a, and a, and a chorus and, and a middle. Uh, I did that and uh, sent it to him, and within a day he called back and said, this is great, get it out there. So I flew up to Toronto. We rec- uh, I recorded it. Uh, Gord is not singing on it. It's myself and um, and another um, uh, Canadian uh, musicians and singer. Um, and he just loved it. And so uh, so I got to uh, to record. <laughs> I got to fulfill my dream. Oh, well, wonderful. We don't always get that opportunity. So this song is entitled "Up in Buffalo." Um, and um, it's available on iTunes and I suppose on other uh, platforms and our listeners who may remember Gordon Lightfoot and some of his uh, magnificent songs about Canada um, as well as uh, recordings of other songwriters are um, urged to kind of check this out. Um, I don't know that we really have enough time for you to sing it for our audience. Um, no, they could, they could, they could. Could, the beauty of, of online is they could they could just do a couple of clicks. I should add that we we uh, we recorded it under the name Light Feet. Okay. <laughs> a little pun there because it's not it's it's me and and Lightfoot who are the co-writers. Very so it's nice. Light Feet. Um, and uh, yes, it's, uh, Steve, it's available on uh, like I say iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, and, and all some of the, the platforms. Other, all the platforms. Yes. Yes. Um, my I'm told that our time is up. And so I want to thank you for sharing with me and with the audience this morning about the uh, neo-catechumenical uh, convivience that we both attended and sharing a bit about interfaith work. My guest this morning has been Dr. Eric Greenberg, um, a noted specialist in interfaith relations for Jewish faith and Jewish facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. I wish you a good day and shalom. Shalom Aleinu, behold.